Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. Hey, everyone. Jamie Bateman here. <laughs> with the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. We thought that for this week, since we are almost at 30 episodes, which is exciting, we would look back at our top three most popular episodes by downloads and kind of give you an excerpt from each. So we're looking at you know, part of the conversation that I had with three different guests um, that were obviously very popular episodes with the listeners. And bringing those those excerpts to you so the first one was mark owens our very first episode which uh mark mark's episode that i had with him on the good deeds note investing podcast really led me to start this entire podcast from adversity to abundance mark is a great storyteller and his story is fantastic um, talks a lot about prison and drugs and crime, uh, and then how he turned his life around and used real estate to retire, essentially. Uh, he's from Baltimore, great guy, um, drops a few F-bombs, and uh, so don't listen with kids around. But uh, I, I love his story and his approach and his outlook and um, phenomenal episode. So that, that makes sense that that would be one of the most popular ones. Um, the next one was... The episode with my business partner, Chris Seveny. We have a, a note fund together, the Integrity Mortgage Note Fund. And then we also started a loan servicing company together, BiFi Loan Servicing. Um, Chris's episode is is relatable and um, just just very you know, very moving. Um, Chris is a is a good friend of mine. We've grown to know each other very well over the last four or five years. Um, his episode is focused on his financial and marital and health struggles that all kind of came to a head within a couple of months years ago and how he pivoted in, at that part in his life and how he got past those very serious, but like I said, relatable uh, episodes and challenges uh, dealing with some serious adversity of all different, several different kinds. Um, and then the third one was the episode we did with David Dodge. Um, David, his episode was really energetic and fun. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to him. 
He's a real estate investor um, in the uh, Missouri, uh, I believe St. Louis area of Missouri. And he is big on the Burr method, um, which is, has become a popular method of real estate investing, which we've done ourselves uh, several times. And But he'd um, gone down a path of, of run into some trouble with, with the law, if you will, when he was younger. Um, you can, you, you know, go back and listen to the details of that episode if you'd like, but kind of like, like Chris and Mark, he turned his life around and, and has used, uh, real estate. All three of those, those guests have used real estate to, um, get to a place of, of financial abundance. And, um, I want to say David and his partner are making $20,000 a month from their rental property. So it's super impressive. Um, and like I said, very fun episode. He's got a lot of energy. He's a good guy. I really enjoyed that one. So, so far, those are the three most popular episodes. Granted, the more, most recent sh- episodes have not had a chance to, uh, to catch up, but we'll do this again, uh, in the future. And I hope you enjoy this one. Thanks. Inspiring stories of real people overcoming incredible odds to live life to the fullest. We are all guaranteed to face hardships. How will we handle the adversity? Join us to be moved by everyday people who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. Be inspired as these relatable heroes get vulnerable and former counterintelligence investigator Jamie Bateman puts his interviewing skills to the test. Restore your faith in humanity as you experience true Cinderella stories of average people turning surreal struggle and deep despair into booming businesses and financial fortune. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live and turn your adversity into abundance. I'm really excited about launching this podcast and I'm really excited about our our guest today as well. Um, so our guest is, is Mark, Mark Owens, excuse me, Mark, how are you doing today? Awesome, Jamie. Thank you. Yeah, Mark, uh, we had, we had Mark on the, the good deeds show. Uh, I think it was late December, uh, about, about three months ago. And I'm not kidding when I say Mark, your episode really inspired me, um, enough, enough so that I am actually launching this podcast, I would say largely because of that episode and episodes similar to it. Um, you know, we didn't dive into real estate too much, you know, but it was more of a mindset and, you know, overcoming adversity type episode. And it really did inspire me to kind of think bigger and, and, uh, launch this podcast. So I'm really excited, but this, this episode is not about me. (laughs) It's about you. So for our listeners, Mark, if you could, it's, it's about you and our listeners, but if you could, why don't you tell us your current situation and then we'll jump back to your backstory. Sure. Yeah, just the first thing I want to say is that I really, really am honored and appreciate the fact that you invited me on and it means a lot to me. It, it truly does because that's what I feel like my purpose is at this stage in my life is to inspire other people and show them what's possible and help them to develop a life of their dreams, whatever their dreams are. And so I really appreciate the opportunity to help. Absolutely. To, you know, possibly, you know, positively influence people. So yeah, I love it. As far, as, far as where I'm at today, uh, I am 56, about to turn 57 years old. 
uh, married for 20, I think five years. My wife has trouble, trouble keeping track too. So <laughs> it's not we're, just we're good. <laughs> and, uh, let me see. I've been a full-time real estate investor for close to 20 years. Uh, got a son. He's doing amazing. He's in his early twenties. He's living in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina is uh, working in an investment bank. My wife is now a travel nurse. So we're traveling around the country. If you could dive into your backstory for us. Okay. So I was born in 1965, Baltimore city, grew up in a blue collar, mostly white neighborhood, working class. Uh, there was it, where I was growing up, like the dream of like 10, 11, 12 year old boys was to get a job driving a forklift at a factory. Like that's as far as we could see Like, man, if you can, if you can get a job driving a forklift at Noxell or Pepsi, like you're set, like you're set for life. Cause then you can go buy your little row house, you know, with like two, maybe three bedrooms, have a couple of kids and uh, you know, one car because it, back in the seventies, most families just had one car. That's all you and, to, really. Yeah. yeah. And you, and you could live, you know, a, a happy middle-class life. And that was our dream. And I had never really felt like, I just thought like, there's gotta be more than that. Mm-hmm. There's gotta be more than just driving a forklift. And, sure. but, but I was too young to really visualize that. And my family structure, I was an only child. Mother had me when she was 17, uh, quit school, worked at a factory, didn't meet my biological father until I was like 17. And he was a junkie in and out of jail and, you know, just, just a bad guy. Had, an, had another stepfather for a few years and that didn't work out. Then I get another stepfather, but him and I never really related because he was like, he went to college. <laughs> he was like, like nobody in my neighborhood went to college. It's like, who is this guy? You know, like, and so I never really felt like I fit in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so what happened was, uh, you know, we had drug education in school, like in elementary school and, mm-hmm. and you're sitting there and you're looking at the pictures and you're hearing the stories and, you know, you're thinking like, oh my God, I would never do that. There's people right. crazy. Like, my God, why would you do that? And then I think I was like 12 years old. And, uh, one of my friends asked me if I wanted to smoke some pot mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like, this is a chance for me to fit in. Cause I never really felt like I fit in trying heroin for the first time. So, you know, by the time I turned 18, I was already shooting Coke and heroin. And Jeez. that, uh, I, I'll give the short story, but over the next few years, you know, I was in and out of jails, rehabs, living in the street, you know, in abandoned houses, sleeping under bridges, you know, I got stuck in California, had a hitchhike from California to Baltimore with no money. Got kicked out of a drug rehab in, in Virginia. And it was like, it was winter. And it's like, I violated my probation. I'm going to get to prison for four years for violating my probation. So my choice is either go back to Baltimore and go to jail or go somewhere else. And my thoughts are, well, if I'm going to live outside, I'm going to be homeless. I'm going South. So I hitchhiked to Florida. So then, and, and I don't mean to step on your, your toes here. If we can fast forward a little bit, because I know you hit on the, on the good deeds episode, we hit several other stories that were mm-hmm. critical. I remember several things where like the, the uh, attorney, when you were in jail and I think I was a coming to that cab driver, I'm sorry, yeah. but those were critical key points. And I don't want to, I don't want to miss, miss those. Sure. So, so what happened was uh, at that point, I'd kind of given up and I just thought, well, I'm just going to get high to a die. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to rob stores every day or whatever. Uh, I'll steal different, you know, I'll steal a different car every day. And I'll just do this until I either get shot or overdose. 
Like there was no, like jail was never an option. It's either I'm going to get shot or I'm going to OD like that's it. And I'm just going to keep, this is what I'm choosing to do. And, uh, after it was September, I think it was September 8th, September 7th of 89, I decided that I was going to go out to, uh, Alaska. They had this Alaska out Valdez like oil spill and they were hiring anybody to just come out and like wipe oil off of ducks hmm. and rocks okay. and whatever. And I'm just like, man, I'll go hide in Alaska. I'll get a job. And, you know, and I thought I'll just like, I'll just drive this, you know, stolen cars out there. And, and what I did, you can't do this anymore, but you could go out and fill your tank with gas and just take off. Like hmm. now you got to pay first back then. Yeah, you right. did, you know, and so I would just fill <laughs> the tank and, and take off. And uh, I mean, that's how I got I stole a car in Georgia, made it to Pennsylvania, just doing just that. Uh, so it wasn't a big deal. And I mean, it's a terrible thing to do, but it was very right. simple to do it. Sure. And so, uh, so I just started robbing stores like every day, you know, it wasn't a lot of money, a few hundred bucks here, a few hundred bucks there, but you know, if you're a junkie and you're broke, $300 is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and September 7th, I decided I'm going to go out to California and or Alaska. And I talked to a girlfriend and I just told her what I was going to do. And her and I had been friends for years and she was, you know, kind of hardcore like I was. And, uh, I said, well, let's go hang out tonight. So I went and got a motel room at them. It's called Pulaski highway in the Baltimore area. Mm -hmm. And, uh, went out and that night, you know, I had some money from previous robberies and we went and bought some drugs, got a hotel room. We're getting high. And then I thought, let's, you know, let's go rob something else. So we, left the hotel or motel, went and robbed another store, went and bought some drugs, went our way back to the motel. And I ran a red light in a stolen car and ended up, uh, to make the long story short, I ended up getting caught. You know, I, I got boxed in. I, I couldn't escape. There was cars in front of me. It was like two o'clock in the morning, September 8th. What the, I'd, like, I'm thinking like, what the fuck are all these people going? I mean, Jesus Christ. You know, like I got no space to navigate. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. car had stolen. It was like a 280Z or something. It was really fast. It was mm -hmm. a fast car. So I thought, if I get an opening, like I'm out of here. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, they get us boxed in and the cops are like jumping out with their guns out and the lights on and all this. And the uh, I asked Barb, I said, hey, Barb, give me the drugs. She gave them to me. And <clears throat> I'm just thinking like, look i'm not going out like this like they're gonna have to shoot my ass like i'm not just getting out and uh and and like turning myself in so i got out and opened the door and I put my arms up and i looked around at the at for an opening and then i just took off running and uh i mean i remember like gritting my teeth like just thinking like man if they fucking shoot me like just keep fucking running no matter what just keep fucking running because I'm going to go to jail for the rest of my fucking life. That's what I'm thinking. And it's like, sure. I would rather, I would rather bleed out in the street right. than spend the next 50 years in jail. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, uh, it seems, it sounds crazy to say, but it seems logical. Yeah, it did. It did to me. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a tough choice. It's like, you know, right. do you want to die tonight or do you want to spend the rest of your life in prison? I'll die tonight. Sure. Right. And, uh, you know, a few minutes later, I, you know, I ended up getting called. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of got, trapped in this like little warehouse complex where there was like nowhere to go and i ended up i got called and uh went to jail you know and i can i admitted to everything i think my bail was like six hundred thousand dollars like everybody it would have been like a hundred guys going through that window a hundred skinny guys going through the window <laughs> <Wow>. so <laughs> the fat yeah. guys would still be in jail <laughs> but uh 
and they they called us and i went to you know so then i ended up getting put on lockup for six months which means like you're locked in a cell by yourself you know 23 hours a day you get out of an hour to go take a shower and and just walk around the tier. can't imagine yeah and that that was really good for me that it worked out like that because then the thing that happened that began the change for mm -hmm. me was I went and uh, my attorney came in and my parents stepped up, got me an attorney and he came in to see me and we're sitting in this little conference room. There's like a metal table between us and I'll never forget it. I mean, cause he really made me feel stupid. He looked at me and he said, man, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, can't you even stay out of trouble in jail? Like you're already locked up. Mm -hmm. And then he said, don't you realize that if you do what you're supposed to do, you can be home by the time you're 30 years old. You'll be young enough to start a whole new life. And I never, I hadn't considered that. You hadn't thought start about it like that life. before. Be home right. five years, start a whole new life. Like, really? Like, is that an option? Huh. And I mean, I didn't say that to him at the time, but I right. you know, over the next course of the next couple of days, I really thought about that. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give this shit a try. And, and part of, and part of the thing that, that really made a difference was my friend, Barb, who was with mm -hmm. me when I got locked up. Yeah. She had managed to get like a few weeks clean, like a, maybe a month clean uh -huh. after we got locked up. She yeah. started hanging out with the first guy I ever shot Coke with that went to a drug rehab and he had like, you know, two or three months clean. And now she's hanging out with him and she's getting her stuff together. And nobody had mm -hmm. done that. Like I didn't know huh. anybody that ever got clean. Right. And so I'm seeing like, man, it's possible. Like you can, you can get off the drugs Yeah, and I'd be young enough to start a whole new life. And, right. uh, and that's where my is... mindset started to yeah. change. And then I found a book oh, right. it was called you can, if you think you can, uh -huh. and it was on the tier on the table. And I didn't like, I didn't know they had self-help books. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a new industry or what, but I didn't know they had. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's grown a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I looked yeah. at it and I was like, you can, if you think you can, I was like, Oh, I got plenty of fucking time. Right? <laughs> right. I mean, I'm going to read it. I think I've already read every Stephen King book in the jail. So let me get and read this thing. Mm -hmm. And halfway through that book, something clicked in my head. And I realized that I can take control of my life and become the person that I want to become, but I have to believe in myself. Mm -hmm. And up until that point, I didn't believe in myself because mm -hmm. I was always focusing on my failures. Mm -hmm. And halfway through this book, I, I was smoking cigarettes back then. You could smoke in jail back then. And halfway through the book, I'm like, man, fuck this. I'm taking control of my life. I'm mm -hmm. taking, I'm taking over. I'm going to run this shit. I'm right. going to run, not the drugs, me. And I right. took my half pack of cigarettes out and I gave it to this guy, Frank Bertina. I said, Frank, I'm fucking done. I'm changing my life. What is a book or two that you'd recommend to my audience and why? Uh, I would say, assuming that they are not starting where I started, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Nice. Uh, Love it. Probably number, probably number one. Uh, yep. If you're like a business oriented entrepreneurial kind of person, because that yep. is going to just expose a lot of the BS that we've been brainwashed with since birth in this country. Sure. That's so a good one. Uh, that's probably okay. one of the, one of the, that's probably the main one. I could probably name five others. But that's the main one. Got it. How about a movie? I don't know if you watch movies or anything, any good movies, oh, man, you know, how about this? A movie favorite. or a movie or a podcast? You you pick yeah. one. <laughs> one of my favorite movies. It's a fiction movie. It was called Starman with Jeff Bridges. Okay. And uh, it's a tearjerker. So, but that's okay. like okay. when people ask me what my favorite movie is, that's always one that pops up. In my All mind. right. The worst one was um, Jaws. So. <laughs> the worst one was Jaws. Yeah, man. Yeah. I never. Yeah, I never got into that one. Um, 
What's one question you wish I'd asked you, but I haven't answered. I haven't asked. Oh man. Um, <laughs> you know, there's nothing really. I mean, I, yeah. I, I wish I could give you like a real smart, you know, yeah, clever no answer, but yeah, no I'm, I'm open, man. What? Love it. We've covered so much ground and I really do feel like you've got so much to unpack with your story. It's incredible. Um, there's no way we could cover it all in, in one episode here, but, um, so, and then we've already touched on this somewhat, but how do you like to serve others? How, how are you adding value to others these days? Uh, one way is like this, like doing this. I mean, I don't get paid for this. You know, this no. is my, my most valuable asset is time. Sure. You know, it's yeah. a limited resource. Yeah. But if I can spend my time doing something like this, where I'm, I might potentially reach, you know, maybe hundreds or thousands of people that I will yeah. never meet and it can have a positive effect on their lives. Yeah. Like that's to me, that's a, a gift for that. I can be able to actually do that as a gift for me. It's kind of selfish yeah. because it makes me feel good <laughs> to be able to help other people. Uh, not, but that's, probably, that's probably the main way is by, is by talking. I mean, I give money to charities and stuff like that, but that's like, sure. I think time is more valuable than the money. And yeah, uh, I agree. So I would say that that's what I do is I just try to influence people and inspire people to live their best lives. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am joined, I'm Jamie Bateman, and today I'm joined by a special guest, Chris Seveny. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Jamie. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Um, yeah, this is going to be fun. This is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, for those who don't know Chris, Chris and I are business partners and partners on a podcast together that Chris started, the, the Good Deeds Note Investing Podcast. Um, so we know each other quite well. So for the audience who's un, who are unfamiliar with you, uh, walk us through, kind of just give, give us a snapshot of who you are today with your, you know, your occupation and, and uh, what's going on today. Sure. So today uh, I work for a real estate developer in the Washington, D.C. area. I've worked there for about six years. I've been in real estate for a little over 25 years. And also uh, over the last decade, I've really started to build my personal portfolio within real estate because that's what I know. That's what I'm good at. And I, well, I think I'm good at. Uh, I am a father with a awesome wife and two lovely children who are awesome as well. In my spare time, which is very limited, uh, I do enjoy things that are probably sports related, either watching sports or doing something in team group activities. We've covered that, you know, somewhat, but I think something that people don't get a lot is why. And so yeah. I want to get into your backstory and kind of your why do you pursue these um you know, the, the, the businesses and investing. So walk us through your backstory, if you would. Yeah. So uh, my story, I'll start with 2008 uh, and really the real estate uh, crash. I was working for a, I left a company I worked for for 10 years in 2007 because I was just burnt out and I just needed uh, to slow down a little bit. And I went to go work for a smaller local developer who was actually based in Washington, D.C. And uh, they also were out of Texas and they needed somebody to come in and run kind of their multifamily department, which I came on board and I was there for about a year. And then, you know, Lehman Brothers happened and everything else happened. And a lot of their money was coming from, I believe, from Lehman or from one of those firms. A week after Lehman I walk, I get there. I'm usually, I literally live like a mile from the office and 
I was, I'd go to the gym in the morning and then I would um, go into the office and I went to go to the gym and I seen all the executive cars there that day. And I'm like, you know, that was odd. So I go to the gym and the cars are there and nobody's there. Uh, when I get to the office and it's like, I don't know, eight, eight 30 in the morning. And all of a sudden around nine o'clock, my boss comes in and hands me a letter, closes my door and says, just so you know, about 90% of the office is getting laid off today. The company's shutting down. You've got an existing project you're working on. And we, um, right now, this is a letter basically that says your employment's till Thanksgiving end of November. And this was on October 1st. And I basically had like seven days to review and sign off on the letter. And if I didn't, then basically didn't have a job. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, oh, boy. And like at this time, you know, 2007, so I was what, 32-ish years old. And, you know, I never had to like get a personal attorney involved or anything like this. So it's kind of like, you know, you're shaking, you're freaking out um, and so forth. So I kind of review it, you know, basically nobody that day got anything done who was still left. And uh basically get an attorney review it. And you're basically like, you kind of got to sign the letter. Uh, so I signed it, which would give me employment till uh, that Thanksgiving timeframe. Uh, about two weeks after that happens, um, I was calling my old company and I was go talking to them about opportunities. They didn't have any in the Boston area, but they had some in DC and California. And, you know, uh, my wife at the time were talking about it. And all of a sudden she basically looks at me. She's like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Like, well, what do you mean you can't do this anymore? She's like, yeah, the whole marriage thing, you know, basically she wanted a divorce. So I'm like, Ooh, this is a fun month. Oh. <laughs> this was within two or three weeks. You said? Yeah. Like, I, I don't remember the exact yeah. time frame. I actually was, went and pulled out the letter a week ago that I still have. And then on our divorce paperwork, um, you know, it said sometime in October of 2008 is when, you know, you have to put in a date when things started kind of happening because in Massachusetts, there's, we didn't have kids. Thankfully, mm -hmm. there's a six month window that you kind of have to wait. Um, so it was basically uh, that component. So I'm like, wow. Uh, so just quick, was it, were those related at all? I mean, or was it just timing? In other words, no, it was it timing. I think okay. that kind of, there was, yeah, it was more timing than anything. Mm -hmm. um, I think that kind of broke the camel, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, I mm -hmm. think. Sure. Uh, but didn't, you know, didn't think, help, I guess. Yeah. But... Things were not, um, you know, all, you know, uh, mm -hmm. sunshine and uh, rainbows and elephant <laughs> unicorns, and pink unicorns yeah. whatever it is. And how long uh, had you been married for? Just curious. Uh, almost seven years. Okay. So yeah, seven, seven year rich. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, oh. you know, we were, <laughs> we were talking before about, you know, I, with this show, I don't want necessarily want to get into, you know, comparing levels of adversity, but it's almost, it's, it's, it's almost unavoidable, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's some serious adversity that you were facing yeah. within one mm -hmm. month. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I kind of look back, I mentioned this before we came online, you know, I look at adversity like my grandfather who lost his son in Vietnam. And then a few years later, um, his wife got ill with MS, you know, lost the ability to walk and eventually succumbed to it, you know, within a decade. So, you know, within basically 10 years, he lost his son, his wife. So yeah. that's me in overcoming that. Yeah. It's more adversity than, hey, look, I sure. can get a job. I can get another, you know, uh, spouse, which I did both. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know how I moved, Jamie? I moved pretty yeah. quickly. Yes, uh, you did. <laughs> so, uh, so I literally uh, got a job. Uh, originally, it was, I was going to come to Cal go to California uh, because they, there was a project that was a really awesome project that was, let's just say, a 
very famous professional football player and his very famous wife were building a house in LA uh, that ended up not getting built, but that was possibly where I was going to go to. But instead, I ended up going down to DC and literally on like November 30th or December 1st, I packed everything I had into my car and drove down to DC. And the only so, thing I left were my two dogs that I'd come back and get once I found housing. Wow. I mean, so, but it, it sounds like certainly with the employment, you didn't have much of a choice as far as the, the job ending. Um, and then, you know, it sounds like you didn't have a whole lot of choice on either front as far as kind of fixing or changing things that were happening to you. But, but what I want to know is like, what was your, what was your mindset at that point? Uh, very anxious. I did have an opportunity to stay up in the Boston area for another company, but I was more comfortable going back to my old company, even though it was in another region. And to me, it was like a fresh start. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, basically everything that had just gone on getting away and probably running, you know, part of me is probably like as running away possibly from everything, uh, was probably the benefit because, you know, if I had to go, like I said, face my parents and stuff like that and my sisters, you know, I'm not as nervous about their reaction because I viewed it as a major failure and I hate the fail. So part of me thinks that it was almost like I was running away from my problems, mm. uh, coming, going down to the DC area. And now mm. that I look back and reflect on it, that's, I think what I was doing. Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. I haven't thankfully I haven't had to deal with either either thing but okay so you were mm -hmm. looking at different job opportunities and you and you wanted to relocate it sounds like yep so and literally like I said I've just packed everything in my car drove down to DC area and was like hey you know fresh start and that's what I did found a place to rent uh after about a month or two after the new year and then went back up to Massachusetts got got our dogs um because in our divorce agreement. Um, you know, I got, I, got, I had custody of the dogs. Uh, but one of the things I'll just mention that I think was the benefit was like, I still get along with my ex-wife today. And there was of course some rocky times during that divorce, but it actually was pretty smooth sailing to resolve everything. And we came up to just one resolution at that time, instead of dragging things on for years and so forth. So mm -hmm. I think, uh, we were both very fair when it came to resolving things, which I got to give you know her credit for being fair in that uh, aspect. That's good. I mean, and then the other, one other thing you mentioned before we hit record was your financial situation at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, she likes to spend money. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, know, you know, we had, let's see, I mean, we had a Porsche Cayenne was one of our vehicles. I think the other one was an Audi TT at the time. Uh, you know, we had a house. Uh, she would go out a lot with her sister, whose husband was very well off. So I think she was trying to live up to that. I walked out of it probably about 250,000 in debt. Is there anything else you want to cover? Um, where can our listeners reach out to you? Uh, sure. They can uh, reach out to me. Uh, my email is chris at the number seven, the letter E investments.com. Uh, that is our investment company, which is the number seven, the letter E, seven E investments.com. I kind of shortened my last name a little bit there, put a little number in front of it. Uh, that's probably the best way to reach out to me. Uh, if you're interested more about note investing, you can listen to the Good Deeds Note Investing podcast as well. And your, your website is 70investments.com. Yep. Okay. Now you've got so, a, 
you always have different uh, fund offerings and you've got your, we have our Facebook group and then uh, you've got a membership group and things like that. So yeah, one, um, one of the things that uh, I'll mention too is, is part of the known investing space and you do this as well, Jamie, is we like to give back, you know, very mm-hmm. few things I physically charge for. I mean, I have a membership group that, you know, I spend, you know, an hour a week with plus with people and stuff and has minimal cost, but everything else for information, you know, I give it away. You know, it's, there's no hidden secrets in this space. I'm not out there to make millions on all these training programs and so forth. I like to educate people just to be better for themselves and try and uh, grow their, grow their uh, businesses. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir. This has been Thank really you, sir. good. <laughs> no, I, I know this is going to be a very popular episode. So I, you've added a ton of value. Like I said, it's something we haven't dived into too much as far as uh, on our, sh- on the good deeds show, um, mm-hmm. you know, your, your background and your, your why. So I think it's really motivating for the listeners and, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's got a story and like, you've definitely faced some serious adversity and, now you're definitely living in uh, in a in abundance. So I appreciate you uh, sharing your story. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And you know, for people who have adversity, don't be embarrassed by it. You know, that was one of the things that I'll. My last little note is, you know, learn from it, grow from it, but don't be embarrassed from it. Your friends and family are there to support you. Welcome everybody to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host Jamie Bateman, and I'm very excited today to be joined by David the Discount property investor Dodge, if I said that correctly, David Dodge of St. Louis, Missouri. David, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing fantastic, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, get this opportunity to share some value with your audience this morning. So I'm really, really grateful to be here. Awesome. So I know your name is is out there already a good bit in the the real estate space and, and, uh, you know, entrepreneurial world, if you will. Um, But for those listeners who are not familiar with you, who are you and, and why should we listen to you? Yeah, great question, man. Why should you guys care, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my name is David Dodge. I'm, I am the Discount Property Investor. That's the name of my entity, Discount Property Investor. Uh, I've been buying real estate for about 18 years, done about a thousand transactions. Um, but the, the thing is, is the first 10 years, I did it wrong. And over the first 10 years, I basically bought a house a year and I bought rental properties. That was kind of what I wanted to do when I first started. And at the end of 10 years, Jamie, I had 12 rentals. So I got lucky two of those 10 years was I was able to buy two houses in a year versus (laughs) one house in a year. Right. And, you know, the way I was going about doing it for the first 10 years, again, very passively was I would locate an, an agent first. And then the agent would help me find a a property. I was getting ready to say a deal, but they're not deals. (laughs) They'd they'd help me locate a property. And then I would, you know, make an offer on that property and, you know, maybe get a thousand or two or three or five discount. But like, that's nothing, you know, like basically paying full retail for these properties. And then I'd walk into a bank and I'd get a bank loan and the bank would say, hey, Dave, we're going to give you 80% of what the purchase price is assuming that the appraisal is at or above that number. But at the end of the day, it was 80% loan. That's it, right? So the average house I was buying in the first 10 years uh, is is still about the average house price that I'm buying today, which is about 150,000 here in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. 
20% of 150 is 30K. So I had to put down 30K 12 times over the first 10 years. That's $360,000 that I either had to save up to put down or in the very, very beginning for the first two or three that I did, I borrowed the 30 grand and then got a bank loan. And then I paid the 30 grand back over the course of a year, two or three, right? So the way I say it- Slow process. Very slow. So the reason I say that it was the wrong way is because it's slow, like you said- And it requires you to have 30 grand to put down on a $150,000 property. So if you're in a market where you can't find $150,000 properties and the properties are 300 grand, you need 60,000 to put down. That's very difficult. So about seven, eight years ago, I went full-time in the business. I had 12 rentals already. And I decided that I just wanted to be a full-time real estate investor. And I didn't want to be an agent or a broker. I didn't really feel like doing that kind of job. Um, So I just kind of, you know, started reading books and taking courses and hiring, excuse me, hiring coaches. Mm -hmm. And I essentially learned and taught myself um, wholesaling. And for the next three to four years, Jamie, I did that exclusively. I just wholesaled, wholesaled, wholesaled like crazy. And in the last seven years, I've done 750 wholesale deals. So I've done quite a few wholesale deals in just the last, you know, seven, eight years. That's incredible, by the way. It's pretty neat. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But here's the thing, man. I started out with rentals passively for 10 years, got 12. And then I went full time. And for the next, let's say three and a half to four years, all I did was wholesaling. And I like lost sight. I lost track of the reason I got into real estate. I I got into real estate for, for two or three reasons. Number one, um, I wanted to have passive income. Yeah. Right. Because I wanted sure. financial freedom and I knew that having passive income would would allow me to have both financial freedom, but also time freedom. Right. So right. I wanted to stop trading your time for money. I want to stop trading my time for money. Right. Yep. And then number two, I am terrible at saving money, like the worst, <laughs> the worst. Right. So, you know, whenever I go buy a rental property and I put money into it or I borrow money to get to get it and then I pay that money back, it's like a forced savings account. Sure. So I've, yep. I've always been terrible with money. I'm still not that great at saving it, yeah. you know, I, but when I buy rentals, it like forces me to save it. It's not very liquid. It's, it's, it's out of sight, out of mind. It's liquid, ability. but not very correct. <laughs> correct. Yes. Right. We're, we're on the not, same not page. Like a, not like a savings account. Liquid. Not like a savings account. Right. right. So, you know, about, oh, I don't know. I, mean, I guess, you know, another three, let's just say three and a half years. I did that full time. So then the the following three and a half years, I, I like, you know, had the epiphany. I woke up and I'm like, man, I got into real estate to like be my own boss and to like save money and to like build wealth and to create passive income. And yep. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just wholesaling. I'm making a right. good living, but like, man. So I pivoted back into buying rentals, but this time, I decided to try to figure out and learn a way to do it that didn't require me to put down 20% or in my case, because I'm buying $150,000 properties, 30 grand. Mm -hmm. And I stumbled across the Burr method and I didn't create the method. I didn't invent it. I I have written a book on it. There's other books written on the topic. I'm not the only guy by any means. Brandon Turner likes to take credit for the. And that's fine. Yeah, I'll I'll give Brandon (laughs) the credit. I I know Brandon. I've met Brandon. He's a great guy. Love Brandon. So if you are brand new and you're listening, understand that. Understand that this is a marketing business before it's an investing business. And then number three is, is you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. It's really, really good. All right. We're going to fly through a few questions and wrap it up. Um, What's something that people misunderstand about you? 
oh man, I'm a clown. I like to laugh and have <laughs> jokes and, you know, I like to love, love, you know, love life. So I think yeah. sometimes people, they think I'm a, I'm a jokester out the gate <laughs> and it's just like, I just want to make people laugh. Right. You know, so it. that's good. All right. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be? Meaning that they've already passed away. They, they could be alive. Anybody. I'd say Elon. No, I'm, Elon's I'm the best we got on the I planet. Love, love He's the yeah. best. So I, I would love to be able to meet him. That would be cool. I just saw him. Do you see his uh, ending the work from home thing the other day? Yeah, I think it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you don't come here, if you're not here physically, we'll just assume you're not working. We'll just assume you're not working. Yeah, I love it. I think okay. he worded it perfectly. He, he is incredible. It's amazing. All right. If you were given, let's say, $20 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? Oh, I'd park it because I'm terrible at saving. I'll tell you that. So <laughs> here's the thing. I would much rather have um, income coming in monthly or quarterly than yeah. a big nest egg because the nest egg you can spend, you can blow it. Sure. But the income, if it comes in routinely, like for instance, yeah. our rental portfolio pays us about 20 grand, my partner, Mike and I, yeah. we can go Amazing. blow every nickel of that. And then on the first of the month, the next month, we got 20 grand more coming in. So awesome. what I would do with that money is I would buy real estate, I'd park it. And I would try to get my passive income up to, you know, 800 grand, a million, million five, whatever it would, would, would equate to, because right. then it's impossible to go broke. <laughs> Every month you get more money coming in. So yeah, to me, it's it. never the big, the big number, yeah. It, yeah. which is most people's goal. You, oh, I need you, would turn that, to you would turn that into, into cash flow. It turned it into cash flow. Yeah. yeah Having a big, perfect. a big number in one spot scares the yeah. hell out of me. <laughs> you know, it's right. going to be gone. So what is uh what's a challenge that you're facing in your in your business right now? Finding good deals, man. Inventory yeah. is light. Yeah, got it. Um, in your opinion, you've already covered some of this, but in your opinion, what's one of the most important personality traits for someone who's someone to be successful in in your industry? Okay, so any industry. My Sorry, definition. Your your oh, you're saying yeah. So broadly. I'm actually going to build on that. Got any it. industry. Got it. All right. My definition of success comes down to three words, consistent, persistent action. I, in, I literally awesome. interviewed a 17 year old last night. He's one of my coaching students and he just got his first wholesale deal. He made 11 grand. And I <laughs> said, what was the main thing that you took away from my coaching? And he said, you got to be a persistent SOB if you want to do deals. <laughs> and I said, yep. And I asked him, I said, how many times did you touch that seller with a phone call, a text message? you know, an email, just a touch. And he said, yeah. Oh, at least 40. Wow. And I go, you know what a newbie would do two or three and then stop sure. that persistence allowed you to do a deal. So in real estate, to answer your question, persistence yeah. Yeah. and in anything in life, yeah, sure. It's persistence guys. You can't be. That's great. Weak. You got to be persistent <laughs> <laughs> and consistent. Like you said, and, 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 an action taker. So all of the above awesome. yeah. consistent, persistent action is the equation that equals success guys. It is love no it. matter what you want to do. You can't quit. You got to be consistent and you got to be persistent about it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you never pivot. You talked about several pivots you made with your, Oh yeah. We pivot all the time, know? especially with marketing. So, if marketing's not working, then we stop and we find another thing to do all yeah. the time. All right. What's a movie that you'd recommend? You ever watch movies? Yeah, I love movies, man. I would say, uh, I just saw the new Top Gun. It was amazing. Love that. Nice. Yeah, check okay, that cool. out. Uh, what other podcasts do you like? You have your own, right? So I, I host the, the, the Discount Property Investor Show. And yep. I also host Wholesaling Inc.'s podcast one day a yep. week. 
Okay. So I love both of those. I'd recommend those. So that's how I met um, you is is through Brent, who interviewed me on that on that show last. Yeah. Uh, it's not a great yet, team but, of people over there. Great yeah. team. So I, awesome. I would say those two would be my two faves just because I spend awesome. a lot of time working on both of them. Perfect. Um, two more. How do you like to serve others? Uh, I like to serve others by showing them that they have more value than they think they have or they know that they have. And I like to make them laugh because it just brings joy to their life. Love it. All right. Last one. And you've touched on this, but where can our listeners find you online? Yeah, yeah. So discountpropertyinvestor.com is my main website that hosts my podcasts. Um, if you guys are looking to learn more about the Burr method, that's really my passion at this point. Um, I do have a program that you can learn more about it and that you can find that at wholesalinginc.com forward slash rentals. Again, that's wholesalinginc.com forward slash rentals. You can learn more about me. You can learn more about the Burr method. And if you're curious, Book a call with my team and we can, you know, kind of put together some of your goals and wants and uh, put together a plan to help you achieve them. Awesome. Cool. This has been really good, David. You have a ton of energy and and uh, you just, you, you bring it. <laughs> hey, thank you <laughs> and, so much uh, for having me, Jamie. Like I said in the beginning, I'm honored to be here. I'm grateful for this opportunity to, you know, serve and provide value to your audience. So I, I couldn't be happier this morning. So again, thank you so much for, for including me. Appreciate that. And to the listeners out there, we appreciate you spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation, available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.